The reading is Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 19, and that can be found on page 1025 in the Red Bibles. Uh, We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, uh, and page numbers for those are on the screen. So that's Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 19, page 1025. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once Zechariah's division was on duty... And he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will, uh, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much, uh, Ali. Let's uh, pray together, and then we'll look at this. Um, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would behold you, our God. We would have our eyes lifted to see who you are and your plans for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are starting a a new short series um, uh, in this opening chapter of uh, Luke um, in the next uh, two or three weeks um, to take us um, into Advent. Um, And we've called it um, season's greetings, that's um, not to run ahead of ourselves to the Christmas season quite yet, but it comes from the passage itself where um, a little later on uh, we'll see a, an angel um, uh, visits and the angel will speak to uh, Mary and bring greetings, uh, bring an, uh, an opening greeting, and then a little later after that Mary uh, herself will go to Elizabeth, um, and a character called Elizabeth, and speak um, to her and bring greetings. And something that we talk quite a lot about here at Platt um, is God's uh, salvation plan, his 
his unfolding story of his rescue uh, of his people, of a people um, at that that passes through the many years of the Old Testament from the, the earliest books of the Bible. Um, I've spent some time uh, this term teaching through Genesis and looking at the, the, the mess of um, humanity uh, um, that's portrayed there. And some of you have been uh, involved in teaching children and young people that same book. Um, we talk about that unfolding salvation plan um, and how God has been working And what I want us to look at this morning as we start with Luke here is seeing the way in which the gospel, the the good news of of Jesus, is exactly that. It is news. It is a greeting, if you like. It is something that speaks into that history of where God's people have been, how life has been, how humanity has unfolded. And it comes into this moment in time, uh, and it picks up on some of where God's people have been, and brings a sense of God's salvation plan being rekindled, reignited, taking new life, uh, being breathed into, if you like. Um, And I want to show you how Luke does this and and why it matters. Um, If you've got an ear for our culture at the moment, um, you probably know that there's a a, a sort of power in retelling stories that you might know well. There are lots of revivals of of sort of stories from the 80s or renewed interest in stories from the 90s. There's a a power in in, in sort of retelling stories that we know. And there's a particular power in, uh, sometimes you come across this, I'll give you an example in a moment, of of a situation where something uh, something familiar but seems that it's past and gone and out of date and, and gathering dust in a story is suddenly given new life. Uh, is suddenly reignited. Now, um, what I'm going to try and do um, this morning is, is show you the way in which I think Luke um, is the J.J. Abrams of his day. Okay, Now, J.J. Abrams is a director, and he's well known for directing um, the, the Star Wars franchise that is about, in, if, if you're interested, it's reaching its uh, next uh, marker in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and one of the most powerful moments I've seen of this is it rewinds a couple of years when they when they gave new life to the the Star Wars franchise and the Star Wars stories. And J.J. Abrams is a director. He's got this very fine sort of sense of the power there is when something seems like it's old and pasted and out of use, and it's suddenly rekindled and given new life. There's something almost thrilling about it. And he knows that, and he plays around with that. Um, I'm going to show you a short clip. I'm not going to try and spoil what exactly is given you life, um, but you'll see... uh, uh, It's a good excuse to show this. We cannot run them! We might! In that quad jumper! We need a pilot! We've got one! You! Ah! What about that ship? That was garbage! The garbage will do! Great. 
Okay, so now if that doesn't mean anything to you, somebody can explain afterwards. But the uh, the, sp- the spaceship that, that is there is called the Millennium Falcon. Now, if you know anything about this, it is it is sort of one of the iconic parts of this great movie franchise. Uh, it, it's loved, uh, it's beloved, and J.J. Abrams knows that, and he knows the power of seeing that ship which you think is garbage, that you think is old and pastured, is is a, you know gathering dust, hasn't this, the line of this ship this ship hasn't flown for years. And suddenly, it's about to get new life. We'll come back to where that goes um, a little later on. But it's, you, something sparks back into life. And that, that emotion, that tone, is exactly what Luke is doing here. Um, as, the, as the beginning of his book kind of breaks into history. And we're going to look at it in a, in a couple of headings as we go through. The first of which tells us that what might look like it's old and past it, God hasn't given up on. Okay? And it's the opening of the story. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, uh, there was a priest named Zechariah uh, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his uh, wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of uh, the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers are outside. So you picture this scene, this particular guy called Zechariah, he's a priest, the temple is in view, um, and it's important to know exactly where we are. I said God's salvation plan. That unfolds over the Old Testament. Um, And as it does so, the Old Testament, you you think all all the the ways in which God works uh, through this particular people um, uh, and then through the kingship, uh, through to the exile, and the Old Testament books come to an end. And then there is 400 years or so where it seems like there is silence and nothing happens, uh, or relatively little seems to happen. And very little seems to be heard of uh, God's plans, what's he up to? Where is God? What is he doing? If you're somebody, it's interesting, isn't it? If you're somebody who sometimes wonders, God, where are you? What are you doing? And we think that uh, in our lifetime. 400 years puts it in perspective, doesn't it? For 400 years, where are you, God? What, what are you up to? Have you given up on your plan? And we, uh, we then we pick up this uh, figure of Zechariah. So he's a priest. Um, now, he's not particularly significant, I don't think. Um, we're told that he's one of the priestly divisions. Um, uh, now, there were lots of priestly divisions. Um, there were loads of them. Um, he's not especially significant. In fact, it seems to be Elizabeth is the one with the connections and a bit of heritage. She's um, a descendant of Aaron, we're told, so that's got a sort of link to um, an important figure um, in the Old Testament. Uh, they, they fit this uh, profile, they're, they're righteous, they're following the Lord, um, but they're childless, um, and they can't have children, and they're both very old. Now, we'll come back to that uh, in just a moment. But the, the, the opening, I don't know where you'd start the opening of the story of uh, Jesus coming into God's salvation plan, but you see the opening, here we are with the temple, gathering dust maybe, 400 years, what's it, are the people just kind of going through the motions, um, nothing much seems to be happening. Here is a priest, um, not particularly significant. He's going to do, um, verse 9, he's chosen by lot, uh, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple and burn incense. Um, now, I said to you there were loads of priests 
Um, and the way it worked, they did a sort of rotation system. Somebody probably had a spreadsheet or whatever it was. Um, and you, you kind of figure out who sent it. And there were so many that this is probably his once-in-a-lifetime chance to do this. There were that many of them. If ever you think, by the way, that we have a lot of clergy here at Platt, they had loads of priests. Um, and they had such that this is your once-in-a-lifetime uh, chance. Um, so there you go. If you imagine Luke, the director, he kind of takes the camera, then takes us into the temple um, with Zechariah. He's got this uh, opportunity on this particular um, day. And verse 11, an angel of the Lord appears to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Getting a visit from an angel clearly wasn't what he was expecting. Now, you're a priest, and you're in the temple of God, and you're stunned to find that there is life going on in the temple, that God might actually be alive and doing things. If you think for a moment, just what, it, what maybe it tells us about the, uh, the, the spiritual state of things. Um, I don't know what the social media would be uh, that would have gone around at that point. You know, priest shocked to hear from God. But there you are, you're in the, you're in the temple, you're the priest, and you're surprised that God is active and is alive. I wonder what that tells us about where we were in God's uh, history of God's people. What does it tell about uh, uh, Zechariah? He's gripped, he's startled, he's gripped with fear. But it's reminding us, it's Luke sort of saying, God hasn't given up. Actually, it might, what might look to have looked like the dusty temple, the... Uh, the priesthood going through its motions, the next person just by lot, uh, it had come round, it was his turn, he wasn't any, of any significance. But actually God hasn't given up uh, on his plan and what he's doing. In fact, more than that, he is about to reignite um, his salvation plan. So what comes out from the angel then is this torrent of things that are going to happen. There's a whole series of things. So if I to read them through with you. The angel said to him, verse 13, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel um, to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children to their uh, parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. A whole series of things kind of come out from him, and they are describing things from the Old Testament, patterns and uh, things that we've seen in the Old Testament, and it's as though they are all being reignited or switched on. I, have you ever been to a concert or a stadium at the point at which the, um, the lights are, are being turned on? I mean, you know, they sort of often come on in, in great chunks and blocks um, as uh, switches are flicked, you know, even... Even over here, we've got a whole series of lights over there, and you start flicking them through, they come on in blocks. And as, as he goes through, each one is almost like a set of lights turning on. So God is flicking an on switch for his salvation plan. So the first of those is about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They are childless, and he says, your prayer has been heard, and you're going to have a son. If you know the stories of Abraham and Sarah, who were unable to conceive who prayed and waited and prayed and waited, and in whom God then said, you are going to have a son. 
uh, Rebecca and Isaac, similarly, waited many, many years, praying and wondering. And the pain that that brought them and the challenge of that situation. And it was something that God did and spoke of his grace and his ability and his power. And you see, it's, you're, we're meant to see that block of lights is being turned on. Here is an old couple and he is going to grant them a child. This child will be John. Now, John is the John the Baptist, um, who uh, will be the forerunner to Jesus, who uh, is coming in the next uh, couple of weeks uh, in this chapter, um, or news of him. Um, He says, he will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And I made a snide remark once that this is because he was, not because he was a millennial, um, uh, and it didn't seem wise at the time. It doesn't seem much wiser now, but there you go. And, uh, so um, he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, says the angel. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And that is the second block of lights coming on. In the Old Testament, God would give his Spirit to particular individuals, um, perhaps a prophet, uh, perhaps a king, and his Spirit would be given that he, they might lead the people. And What's being said here is another set of lights coming on, that there'll be another giving of God's Spirit to John, and he is going to draw people back to God. And in particular, a third set of lights kind of comes on, which is that he is going to be like Elijah, the spirit and power of Elijah in verse 17. Again, in the Old Testament, Elijah was a key prophet, and it was spoke of that his return would um, herald the coming of the Messiah, the chosen one the rescuer. So another set of lights goes on as he's saying, look, in the spirit of Elijah, he is this figure that you've been waiting for. And then the last set of lights, if you like, is that these these prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies of the people coming back to the Lord are then fulfilled, turning the hearts of parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, a sort of realigning and a reordering of God's people as they come back to him. And that is what's taking place. The last set of lights goes on. Do you see, that's what's happening here. As, the, as the, Luke wants you to sense that all of these are sort of piling up. Uh, the angels brought this extraordinary news. It's not just that there's one of these. All of these things are happening. We are at a, such a momentous moment in the history of God's people. This is what is happening now. God is acting. He is breaking in. God's, he hasn't given up. His salvation plan reignites. And he surpasses expectations, goes way beyond um, what anyone might imagine. I think Luke is trying to convey that to us. Um, Zechariah cannot believe it. So in verse 18, he asks the angel, um, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Um, If you are married or uh, ever are in the future, it's just not a compliment to try out on a spouse um, that my wife is well along in years. Um, but he is, un- I think probably understandably, he can't quite get his head around it. For how many decades, for how many centuries has, have they been waiting and wondering? Has the temple just been there, kind of the remnant of it is going through the motions, gathering dust? Is anybody, does anyone believe this is worth our time? And understandably, he seems, how can I be sure of this? We'll think a little bit more about his, his uncertainty next week. But the climax comes with, with Gabriel saying, we've not known his name yet, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. I, I'm, 
in the throne room of heaven, I got this message. There is nowhere higher this comes from. This is a directive from the president themselves. There's nowhere higher. This comes right from the top. This is what God is doing. And I think Luke is, is just, as he opens his, his book for us, as he brings this news of the gospel, you're meant to sense, I said this, there's something old and dusty that is God's salvation plan, breathing new life, and it's kind of creaking as it begins to, to move and to begin to take shape and to, well, if I use my metaphor from earlier, take flight. If, if you remember anything else from this morning, it's that the, you know, I'm using the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars as a metaphor for God's salvation plan. That's not what you're expecting today, is it? And it begins to creak. Now, interestingly, I'm going to come back to that idea because it captures something that Luke is doing here. J.J. Uh, Abrams, when he, he plays it, he knows what he's doing. He knows the thrill of seeing that ship take flight. He knows the idea that it does and that it might creak into gear. It might kind of crash its way and it might feel uncertain to begin with. But as it begins to take flight, it's something he knows is powerful. And Luke is doing exactly the same here. And um, we'll let, I'll just play you this to complete this story. She's down there. You ever fly this thing? No. This ship hasn't flown in years. Great. Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. There you go, creaking and crashing its way and taking flight. And Luke is here saying, look, do you see God's salvation plan? It's history, the altar, the lights are coming on and God is acting. And Zechariah, who I think understandably can't quite get his head around it. A priest in the temple can't quite get his head around it. So what the, you know, the hope for the rest of them, I don't know. But here, here is God intervening in a way that you could never ask or imagine. I don't know how you're going into this Advent season, uh, these next um, uh, three or four weeks. Um, I don't know quite what, uh, uh, what you've got in your mind. For some of you, it will be, you look at the next three or, three or so weeks and think, I, it is just a list of things that I have to do between now and Christmas, which is weighing me down. Uh, for some of us, it might be, um, there are uh, complex family relationships that need to be navigated around this season, which get very, very much heightened once we get near to Christmas and Luke is saying, as we, he says, look, look, at, look at the Lord. Look at what he does here and see that, that God's people are being caught up in something much bigger. There is a much greater story that they are a part of. And if you, you might feel on your own at the moment, you might feel that um, uh, if you're a Christian, that it is, it, it, it's challenging to follow the Lord, that it, perhaps this season isn't the, uh, uh, the easiest. You're caught up in something much bigger a plan that God has around his son that reaches back into history and reaches forward to the, the Lord's return and a new creation. 
you might feel like the next few weeks is just, you're going to be putting in hours uh, for family, for friends. Uh, is it worth it? Um, is it just weighing you down? And Luke is saying, look, can you see? It's creaking into life. But this is, here was God's salvation plan breaking in. Something much greater than you and me that we're caught up in. Uh, it might be. And, and, and Zechariah is an interesting figure that he's you know, not sure of what is going on. I, in the, the moment as that sort of begins, this, the, the, she puffs out her cheeks and, and, uh, and just you kind of that whoa moment, is this possibly happening? You kind of feel that that might be where he's at and it might be where you and I are. Can, you know, can this possibly be true? And particularly if you don't know the Lord, if, you're, if you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, could I possibly be caught up in this plan? The answer is yes. Jesus came for you and for me. I wonder how you will go into this Advent season, these next um, few weeks. What are you going to pray about? What are you going to uh, what are you going to think on, reflect on? Who are you going to connect with? Luke is saying, look, see, see a much wider plan. See, God doesn't give up on his people. See how he came. See how he reignited his plan. Have hope, have reassurance, have courage that he'll bring it to completion. Advent is when we look back at the Lord's coming first. We also look ahead to his return. Have hope and courage and belief that he knows what he's doing. See your story in that greater story. We're going to pray. I'm going to give us, uh, I'm going to give us a time of silence just to, to reflect, perhaps to ask yourself and to ask the Lord that question. What's, uh, what am I going to take into this Advent season? What am I going to pray about? How am I going to look to him? Uh, and then the uh, musicians will come through and they will uh, uh, begin to play and we'll stand and sing a song that tells that story, tells that great drama uh, of the Lord's coming and his return. So let's just bow our heads and pray.